Ever wonder the real story behind Christmas? How about the history of video games, which almost became non-existent in the early 80s? Dr. Seuss, who was a World War II cartoon propagandist. Toilets, for which you could literally think a dude named Crapper. And the U.S. political system, which may or may not be the same thing. Infoblast has you covered with quick looks into interesting histories of, well, anything or anyone. I'm Nick Job. I'm Rob Branch. And you should learn some interesting history along with us. This show features discussion about murder, people going missing, and other weird but triggering things. Listener discretion is advised. There's something strange going on tonight. There's something going on that's not quite right. Michael's nervous and the lights are bright. There's something going on that's not quite right. There's something going on that wasn't here before. Hello, weirdos. Welcome to I Have a Weird One, a weird podcast. I'm Jason Soto. I'm Nick Job. I'm so confused. <laughs> playing the I'm part. Rob Branch. <laughs> playing the part of Rob Branch. And welcome to episode four of I Have a Weird One, a podcast where Nick, Rob, and I, we share very weird <laughs> stories or experiences or just life in general, whatever it may be, uh, on this show. And this is the fourth episode, so welcome. And uh, we still are uh, looking for people to submit their own weird stories to us for uh, us to read uh, on on the on the air. Uh, if you do have a weird story, and it could be anything, I mean, it's just got to be something strange or weird that happened. It could be a life experience, could be something you've heard, could happen to like a boyfriend's cousin's mother's sister's aunt, whatever the case may be. Bodily uh, removed. <laughs> you both made like a like a joke at the same time, and it sounded very similar. <laughs> it was a spaceballs joke. Was it both? Well, yeah, okay. mine was. Yeah, mine was too. Okay, yeah. See, that, that's weird, right there. Um, because that was unscripted. They just did that on their own. Um, anyway, we want to hear it. We want to hear from you. We want to read these weird stories on the air. So you can email it to us over at I have a weird one at gmail and we will definitely read it on the air. And if it's something that you, you know, you you don't like you don't want to reveal your real name, just say so in the email. We'll I'll have Rob make up a name. It'll be something very strange like Princess Pillow Pants or something. But uh Rob will make up a name and then we'll read your story on the air. So I have yeah, a weird we have one. A story, we have a story from a Carolina Reaper. <laughs> See? So I have a weird one at gmail.com. And we're so. talking about weird stories, not weird medical problems. You, <laughs> unless it involves you going to the hospital, something weird happened. We'll take that. No, no, because it's you know when you say that, it's always butt stuff. They're gonna be like, yeah, so <laughs> I to the hospital. I, I have no I problem my story, with that. My last story was hospital related. Mm-hmm. There you go, and it wasn't butt stuff. Well, maybe it was. We just didn't. It just didn't get reported. <laughs> so okay we're gonna change the order up a little bit here um because nick told me his is, is kind of short um rob needs to stall for time and mine's kind of long so i'm gonna go first this time um 
I can't promise if it's going to be depressing or not. I mean, I, I covered the true crime stuff, and typically true crime can be a little depressing, so, you know, you can uh, fill that little void in yourself. Uh, but I'm going to go first. So, hey, you guys, I have a weird one for you. Ooh. Uh, I'm going to tell you the story about a man named John List. I and thought you were going to say John Cena. <laughs> you can't see him. No, his name is John List, and it's like List, L-I-S-T, that, that's his name. Um, I'm going to go just a little bit. It's, the reason it's long is because I'm going to kind of go into his backstory so you guys get kind of like a feel of why, he, you know, this is weird. So, um, he was born uh, September 17th, 1925, uh, in the city of Bay, Michi- uh, Bay City, Michigan, and... Um, he was a devout Lutheran and a Sunday school teacher. Um, in 1943, he enlisted in the United States Army, and he was a laboratory technician during World War II. In 1946, he would get discharged from the Army, and he would enroll at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor, where he got a bachelor's degree in business administration and a master's degree in accounting. Uh, and he was also a second lieutenant through the ROTC. Uh, he would join the uh, Korean War in 1950. He was uh, recalled into active service. Uh, he was stationed at Fort Eustis in Virginia. And there he met a woman named Helen Morris Taylor. Uh, Helen, who was a widow at the time uh, to a officer that was killed in action in Korea... Uh, she had a daughter with this with this uh, killed officer. Uh, she had a, yeah, she had a daughter with this killed officer, uh, and the daughter's name was Brenda. Uh, John and Helen hit it off very well. They they got romantic with each other, and on December first, nineteen fifty one, in Baltimore, Maryland, they got married and they all moved to Northern California. Uh, the army, uh, who learned that John List had amazing accounting skills, they decided to uh, reassign him to the finance corps, which I didn't know was a thing until I started reading the story. But apparently, it's to do like finance stuff for the army. So he was a pretty big deal in the army, because you know the the military they need their finances done. They need their bean counters. Exactly. You can't. Yeah. Exactly. Someone's got to account for the bombs. Um. After uh, a second tour in 1952, uh, John List worked for an accounting firm in Detroit. Uh, then he was a uh, audit supervisor at a paper company in Kalamazoo. And during all this time, he and Helen had three children. A daughter named Patricia, uh, a son named John, and another son named Fed- uh, Frederick. So those are the three kids that he had with Helen. <clears throat> uh in uh he would then he and his family would move around a little bit get different jobs you know for accounting firms and stuff like that uh they would eventually uh settle down uh in Jersey City New Jersey uh where John would buy a 19 room Victorian mansion um and the and it, it you know this is a fancy mansion cuz the mansion Jesus. in itself had a name and it was called Breeze Knoll. 
So this this house had a name and it was called Breeze Knoll and this was this was outside of Jersey City, New Jersey. So they moved in um to uh to this mansion. Now our bulk of the story starts on November 9th, 1971. Um in the morning he he uh he sends his three children uh, to school, he kisses them on the forehead, makes their lunch, says, hey, you know, Patricia, uh, Johnny, Fred, have a good have a good day at school. They all go to school. And calmly and collectively, he uh, grabs his 9mm semi-automatic handgun uh, and shoots Helen in the back of the head. Just, just like that, just shoots her in the back of the head. Um... He would then, uh, oh, I didn't mention this, also living in this house was John's elder mother named Alma, who was 84. Uh, she lived in the upstairs part of this big-ass mansion. Um, he would go up there and uh, shoot his mother in the left eye, instantly killing her. Now, after after this, after this little killing spree he went on onto his, with his wife and his uh, mother... He would then decide to run some, you know, some um, chores. He would do some errands, if you will. Uh, he goes out. He cancels. Um, he cancels some mail. He cancels all the deliveries because this they were still delivering milk. Apparently, in 1971, I didn't know that, but apparently they were delivering milk to this house in 1971. Um, you never watched porns from the 70s, man. That's pizza delivery. This is milk delivery. I didn't know oh, they, they still delivered there. milk. They were the there 70s. too. Um, but he would cancel all deliveries, and then he would go to the bank, and he would close out his account and his mother's account and withdraw the money. Uh, he would come home still with two corpses in his house. He would make he would make lunch. He would just sit in the kitchen calmly, eat his sandwiches, and he would wait for his children to get home. Uh, the first um, uh, child to get home was Patricia, who was 16. Uh, he would shoot her in the back of the head as well. Then about maybe 10 minutes later, Frederick, a, uh, age 13, arrived home, and he shot him in the back of the head as well. Uh, after this, again, we still got now four corpses in this house. He would then leave... Um, to go get his last son uh, that's left alive, uh, John, uh, who was 15 at the time, and he would go watch John, age 15, play a soccer game. He would root him on, say, yay, go team! And then he would uh, then bring his uh, son home, and uh, when they walked into the house, the 15-year-old saw all the bodies just all over the place, apparently, and uh, John would then shoot him. But... The 15-year-old put up a struggle, causing uh, the father, John, to uh, shoot him multiple times. Uh, in the back of the head. Uh, in a few different places of this one, because he was fighting back. But he would he would kill him eventually. Now, with his entire family dead in this house, in this giant 19-room house, um, John is going to place the bodies of his wife and children on sleeping bags in the mansion's ballroom. Uh, he doesn't bother bringing his mother's body down from the upstairs. He just leaves her up there. Uh, he puts them all into a in this ballroom. That's how fucking big this house is. It's got a fucking ballroom. It's like the house from Clue, I guess. And um, leaves them there. Uh, 
He then cleans up, you know, various blood spots and splatters and stuff like that. He then painstakingly goes through all the pictures that's in the house, cuts himself out of them, leaving the family, but takes him out uh, of them, uh, puts the pictures back into the frames and the photo albums and all this. Uh, he puts a. He then <laughs> activates a uh, the intercom that these houses have, and starts blasting religious music all throughout the house. Turns on every light, uh, turns the heat down, and then he leaves. He just leaves the house. Funnily enough, nobody notices anything weird until a month later. We're now on December 7th, 1971, and uh, no one really thought anything of it because this family, they were kind of reclusive. They never really mingled with the neighborhood and never went to parties. They never did, you know, anything like that. So people didn't really think anything of it. They saw the lights were on. They heard the music. They were like, eh, whatever. But then a neighbor started noticing the lights going out in the house one by one. And was like, that's kind of weird. And you know what? Now that I think about it, I haven't seen these people in about a month. So they call the cops and say there's something weird going on uh, at this house. And then they show up. And that's when they discovered the bodies. Um, then they How also... were the lights? Sorry? How were the lights going out? They were just burning out. Because he just left them uh -huh. on. So they would just uh -huh. be burning out from being on for like a month straight. So it was because of that is when they noticed, you know, okay, this one room is out. Now this other room is out and so on and so forth. Okay, so now the father, John List, is missing. Like he's nowhere to be found. And he had a month's head start. Like he, he left <laughs> and he disappeared. But now you might be like, okay, so where where did he go? What happened? What did What did he do? Okraton. <laughs> no, um, I I will tell you. Well, first off, I want to note that during this time, uh, actually about a year after this murder, I'm just going to throw this little tidbit in here. Uh, when they didn't know where this John List was, they thought he might have been D.B. Cooper. Um, and I'll give a qu very quick rundown. If you don't know who D.B. Cooper is, he was you know, this. I had that thought while you were telling the story. I was like, is this like D.B. Cooper? <laughs> That's really that's really weird, yeah. No, the the FBI thought that he might have been DB Cooper because if you Google what John List looked like back then and look at the picture of uh DB Cooper, they look really identical. Um but anyway, to anyone who doesn't know about DB Cooper, really quickly, it was this mysterious guy who hijacked the plane. Uh he asked for like a lot of money, I don't know, like a hundred thousand dollars or something. He then asked for a parachute. Uh, he put the parachute on, he had the money, he jumped out of a plane, and then he vanished. And nobody has ever seen or heard from him since. It's so, Loki. And apparently it's Loki, yeah. We, we discover it's Loki. <laughs> um, so they, they, they kind of pinned the D.B. Cooper thing on him. But then, I'll, I'll jump ahead just a touch bit. He, he says that it's not him. So, okay. What was John List doing during this time? What happened to him? He, would, he left. He left New Jersey. Um... What he would do is what he did was he took his car, he he left it at an airport to kind of throw people off, but he ended up taking a train from New Jersey to Michigan, and then he took a second train from Michigan to Colorado. He would eventually end up in Denver in early 1972, 
and he took on a new name called uh, he called himself Robert Peter Clark, but he would go by the name Bob. And I want to stress that there's a director named Bob Clark who directed The Christmas Story. And I'm going to say right now, when I read this, I'm like, no fucking way that Bob Clark, (laughs) who directed Black Christmas and A Christmas Story, was an actual killer. (laughs) That would be really fucking weird. But no, it's a different Bob Clark. But goddamn, Nick, Rob, how fucking awesome would that (laughs) that have been? Like, you know the guy that directed Christmas Story? He was a murderer. <laughs> okay. Wow. But it's not. It's a totally different Bob Clark. Just just keep that just get that out of your mind. I just thought it was hilarious when I read this. Okay, anyway, so he now goes by the name Bob Clark. Um so from nineteen uh so he's living it, in the Go ahead. It, it would make the leg lamp make way more sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um Okay, anyway, so he's living in uh, Denver, um, and he's just settling into his life. He just makes a whole new life. He buys a new house. He gets a new job. He gets an accounting job. Uh, he's just an accountant. Uh, but then in 1979, from 1979 to 1986, he becomes a controller at a paper box manufacturer outside Denver. I don't know what a controller at a paper box manufacturer does. I didn't want to Google that because I feel like that would have been boring, but that's what he did. Um Still the religious man, he joined a Lutheran church. He ran a carpool for shut-in church members. Uh, And at a religious gathering, he met a woman named Dolores Miller. And in 1985, they got married. Bob and Dolores, they got married. In 1988, uh, Bob, I'm going to call John Bob for this part of the story. Bob and Dolores, they move to uh, Virginia, uh, where he gets a job at a small accounting firm. So now it is 1989. He has been on the run for about 18 years, give or take. And I don't know if you guys remember, but in ni- in the in the late 80s, early 90s, there was a TV show, a little TV show called America's Most Wanted. Mm. You're gonna see where this is going now. They did this story on America's Most Wanted. They're talking about how this family got found murdered in their house. The dad disappeared. They suspect they didn't actually know the dad actually murdered the family at this point. They just thought they just knew the family was dead and the dad was missing. And they, you know, were mainly looking for the dad for you know to question him. They didn't have him as a suspect. Uh, but he's been gone all this time. So they did a story on America's Most Wanted. And you, you guys know, you've seen all these shows, this show, Unsolved Mysteries, whatever. Whenever someone's missing, they do like an age progression on the person. So they did an age progression on John, on John List. And um, on June 1st, uh, about two weeks after the broadcast, a former neighbor of Bob Clark, a.k.a. John List, recognized the age progression of John List and said... That looks like Bob Clark. So he, this neighbor called America's Most Wanted and said, Hey, I think this is my neighbor, Bob. He and his new wife now live in Virginia. You might want to go take a look at them. Or at him over there. So they go pick up Bob. He says, "I that's not me. I just happened to look like the guy. I had nothing to do with it. I'm just this religious accountant from Denver. 
And no, it's not me. I don't know what you're talking about. And he denies it until they match fingerprints from him, from Bob, and a fingerprint that they found at the crime scene. And once they have this evidence, he finally confesses that he did the crime on February 16th, 1990. So everyone asks, why did he do this? Why did he murder his family? Why did he murder his wife, his mom? What was the what was the reasoning behind all of this? Why would he do such a terrible, terrible thing? Well, a couple of different reasons. One reason was money. Um, before the murders, a few months before the murders, he was laid off from his bank, but he never told his family this. Every day after being laid off, he would pretend to go to work. He would go look for jobs, would not get anywhere, and he was slowly losing you know losing money he didn't have any money to pay bills uh someone and he is someone from like a very strict upbringing and he didn't want to look like a failure in front of his family um so uh he turned to murder the second reason he he did it was uh he was he he discovered that his wife that the first wife helen um had <laughs> this this is such weird she had untreated syphilis and gave it to John. Um, he didn't like this well, very actually, much. Say that actually makes sense because syphilis can affect your mental state. Exactly. Exactly. Yes, that is true. <clears throat> so, but he got this from her. She didn't conf- she didn't she knew she had it but never told John until he got it and then they got into a good this big thing about it. The wife got depressed, became an alcoholic. And then their marriage was just on the rocks at this point. Um, and then um, the third thing is he he felt like in such despair and that he felt so bad for his family that he felt like they were suffering. So he wanted to undo their suffering and send them to heaven. So he says, you know, life on earth basically sucks. I'm going to send my family up to heaven so they could be free. But when asked why didn't he kill himself, he said, because suicide is a sin and I wouldn't see my family <laughs> in heaven. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there's that. So that's all, those are all, that's all the reasons he said he gave for, for murdering his family like this. Um, so he he gets uh, convicted on five counts of fir- first degree murder. Um, he den- at, at this at his sentencing, uh, he denied direct responsibilities for his actions, saying, "I feel that because of my mental state at the time, I was accountable for what happened. I asked all affected by, I ask all affected by this for their forgiveness, understanding, and prayer." And the judge was like, "Yeah, I'm setting you to. I'm. I, yeah, you're full of shit, man. I'm going to give you five life term, uh, uh, five terms of life imprisonment to be cons- served consecutively, uh, which was the maximum penalty at the time." John would appeal this, but of course would get denied, and um, he was in prison for the rest of his life in uh, 2008, March 21st, 2008. John List died of pneumonia while in prison in uh, Trenton, New Jersey. Um, Now, the ending of the story, I'm going to end here because this is kind of like one of them. If this was a movie, this is how this movie would end. So John had money problems. 
uh, as I mentioned. Um, and I also mentioned he had a mansion. For some reason, he lived in a mansion. Um, there in the ballroom, the very ballroom that he put all the dead bodies in, um, there was a skylight. And it was a very rare, uh, very fancy Victorian skylight that was valued at a hundred thousand dollars in nineteen seventy one money. Wow. Uh he did not know this skylight existed, for if he did, he would have obviously have sold it and the, his money issues would have been solved. Um interestingly enough, the mansion about a year after the murders would mysteriously burn down. Would and the skylight got burned along with it. So that's freaking crazy. That's my story of John List. What's <laughs> what was and what what was the uh, second wife's name? Uh, the second wife's name. Um, yeah, excuse me for a second. I gotta look. I think it was. Did I say Dolores? I feel like it was Dolores. Sounds, Dolor- yeah, yeah, Dolores. Dolores. So I would say Dolores. <clears throat> Bob. D B. <laughs> You still think this is TV Cooper? <laughs> no, I just thought that was. A but funny that is you. You might be onto something. That that's not bad. That is not bad. I mean, because so like I said, when he got arrested for this, they the FBI because they looked at the pictures again. They asked him like, "Were you DB Cooper?" And he he denied it. He said, "No, that's not me." Well, he also denied the murder, so... Eventually, yeah, I mean, he had eventually yeah. confessed to the murders. And, you know, what's interesting is, that, you know, the D.B. Cooper thing happened in 72. This is just, like, a, it was a few months after the murders. He was kind of... I think he was kind of uncounted for around that time. So, I don't know, maybe. You might be onto something. Interesting. Very interesting. So, anyway, yeah, that's no, my that- story. That whole like skylight thing, like and the house burning down after, like really pulled the story together. Like that's mm-hmm. insane. That's why I wanted to end on that. <laughs> that's why I thought that would be a good ending. So, all right. Um, okay. So, like I said, mine was long. I apologize for that. But, um, Rob, you're up. What do you got for us? Um, I'm still trying to figure that that last story <laughs> out. I'm sorry that that has blown my fucking mind. <laughs> I got two stories I can go with. One I um, I found recently um, about a library book being returned 46 years after after it was due. Okay. Or I can go with something just to have it more personal and um, bizarre. I do have a note in my notes from last time. You said to ask you about your cat Smokey, but I didn't know when you wanted to get that, around to that. That was that's the story. Um, so I'll leave it up to you. I mean, I don't know how weird the library book thing <laughs> really is, but it's not really all that weird. It's just bizarre, like you know. But it's one of those things, it, you know. So okay, but by all means, tell the story about Smokey. Uh, this happened about two years. Actually, it did happen two years ago. Um, it's coming up on two years. Um, so my cat Jasmine had passed away. Um, about a year before that and I wanted to get another cat not for me but for my other cat Gypsy because you know Gypsy had been you know the sister or you know daughter of Jasmine for so long that she was just she she started gaining a lot of weight and she looked depressed I was like maybe if I get her a little brother you know somebody to hang out with 
course, now, you know, Kick to the Future, she's a crotchy old bitch. So, I mean, that really didn't help <laughs> out. But um, no, so I, I posted on Facebook. I was like, you know, thinking about getting an animal, getting another cat. And I didn't, you know, I posted on Facebook. It's like, hey, does anybody have, you know, does anybody have a cat they, you know, they can't take care of or whatever. And um, one of my Facebook friends said that she, her daughter got in a cat. And he was just too much to handle. He was, he wasn't getting along with the other cats. So I'm like, okay, how old is this cat? And he's like, maybe a year or two old. I'm like, okay, he's young, you know? So I picked him up. Um, I was like, you know what? He's a cool little fucker, you know? Hmm. His name is Smokey. Um, and I had gotten him about a month or two before this. This happened uh, on October 29th. And what had happened was, like, I had, you know, I'd been meticulous about him not going into the basement because, you know, it's a basement. My basement floods, it gets wet, it gets dirty, you know, and hasn't changed. Um, so we shut the door. And one day, you know, I, I went home. I went to work, sorry, and I came home and Jasmine was there and Smokey always kind of like, you know, just hung out the front door to say hi to me when I got home. And I was like, it's kind of fucking weird. He's not there, you know, a little bizarre. And so I went and I looked around the entire place, couldn't find him. Uh, went in my basement, looked in my basement. And I'm not like, I'm not talking like, oh, I just lifted a box here and there. I was making noise. I was you know kicking shit around i was i was actively yelling you know and so i started freaking out and my two neighbors my neighbors that live next to me um this young couple like i became friends with them they're pretty cool people i started freaking out. i was like hey my cat's missing man do you guys have you know i was like maybe somebody came into my house like did you guys see anybody come around and they're like no so they both came in and they helped me look around the place and one checked upstairs one checked downstairs i was back and forth you know and this this went on for about two days um he went missing for two whole days and i had left the, the downstairs door open or maybe i left it shut i don't i don't remember um but for two days he went missing mm -hmm. now i don't know if you guys have ever had cats um they get fucking hungry if the bowl is half empty and they meow <laughs> like a motherfucker, you know? Yeah. Also, also to mention that, you know, the cat's got to eat and shit, so it's like, okay, what the hell's going on? Two days later, it's I, I helped a friend. Um, I don't Yeah, I'm, that, that word... Never mind, sorry. Back to reality. I helped a friend <laughs> um, at a photo at, at a wedding. I was helping her run a photo booth at a wedding. It was halloween wedding gothic themed all that kind of crap you know it's like okay cool whatever you know and i got home at about i want to say about midnight ish you know because it was all the way up in fort wayne you know so i was i was fucking exhausted um i get home and <clears throat> i open up the door and i'm like fuck you know just i'm tired i want to go to bed sure enough Smokey is standing right behind the door and he bolts straight back and i'm like what the fuck like he bolts straight back and then he just stops and stares at the basement door mm -hmm. just stares at the door i'm like what the fuck 
but you know like at that point like i was just i was emotional i was happy he was home you know i was shedding a couple of tears i was crying because i mean this guy this guy would you know this guy when he was younger two years ago he would wake me up with headbutts you know hmm. like hey rob how's it going i want food i love you rob <laughs> i gotta go to the bathroom okay bye you know it's just, it's just his personality so it kind of got me wondering what had going on and actually at work um i was watching um what was it uh slapped ham i don't know if you guys ever looked at youtube channel slapped ham <laughs> no i'm sorry <laughs> so it's so far really... that's the weirdest part of this story <laughs> i'm getting to it you asshole <laughs> i don't mind so, a setup go ahead i was watching uh, an episode of slapped ham and it's all like you know paranormal paranormal shit you know ghosts alternate realities flying saucers ufos all that kind of shit right okay and i'm watching this one clip the clip is about two minutes long you know and this okay so slapped ham is actually uh, it's it's this guy in the uk and he's like hello my name is colin and this is slapped ham you know that's how he talks but i said i watched a video and there's a video of a cat playing but the cat it like it runs into the camera like does this like weird like it, it attacks a stool right and then slides under mm -hmm. a mat and disappears right in front of camera like he, he he just slid under the mat into a portal you know and that's what got me freaked out because i swear to god my cat jumped into a portal um for two days like he was gone for two days and i'm talking like i mean my basement is pretty set and standard it's it's open concept i don't have any i don't have any rooms down there you know um all my stuff is on you know uh you know shelves and shit so it's like there's not a lot of places even if he was like to flatten his body there's not a lot of places he could hide and i would check every day for hours he was not in my house he was nowhere to be found. And then two days later on Halloween, you know, the most metaphysical time of our year, he <laughs> shows up. And then, you know, it's, I'm sorry, it's not as creepy as my so, other stories, you know? So he disappeared like in the house and then he reappeared in the house. Like he didn't reappear yeah. outside. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, I don't like when it comes to, okay. So when it comes to my basement, I don't have any crawl spaces or anything. It's a uh, basically quote unquote a finished basement that fucking leaks like a sieve you know mm -hmm. upstairs i don't have a lot of places for you know he can jump in the boxes and shit but you know he's a cat he'll come back out you know i firmly believe that my cat jumped into a portal to another reality and for two days he was gone like you know i i don't know where he went and, you know and and there's not like a possible way he could have went outside there's no possible way the I, I okay so my basement door um, to lead into my basement does have another door that leads outside but it's got three locks on it you know okay and you have to lift the door up to get it off the base because it's an old fucking house you know doors kind of lean so okay. there's no physical way he could have unlatched three locks and then lifted the fucking door by himself you know okay 
And then, again, when he reappeared, where did he reappear at? Behind my front door. As soon as I walked in the house, he was facing the door, and then he bolted back. He bolted, basically turned around and bolted, and then just sat in front of the, the, the downstairs door. Hmm. Okay. I like... I like how your cat disappears for two days and your reaction is my cat went to fucking Narnia. <laughs> or time traveled. You could have time well, traveled. Okay, so that's a you know, that's the thing, Nick, is that I've had a lot in my in my life. I've lot of, I've had a lot of I don't the best way to describe it is dimension jumping events that have happened in my life. Like I've I've, I've seen things that were not normal in this world. I, I can't just, you know, you got to take it for face value what I say. And I know I say a lot of shit. And I talk a lot of crap. I, you know, but when I'm telling you one day I wake up and the sky is green. I'm telling you, I saw the sky. It was fucking green. You know, my cat, I firmly believe somehow found a portal. And I've yet to, I've been, I've been living at my place for almost five years now. <laughs> I got shit all over my basement, you know. I need to clean my basement. I cannot to this day find this portal. I don't know if it, it opened up for, you know, a two-day event, you know. It was like fucking, you know, Woodstock in my fucking basement, whatever, you know. There's even this one spot in my basement where there's a lot of mold that's growing because of the fact that my basement leaks. But every time I look at that mold, it looks like there's a face there, you know. Okay. But yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's weird. Like, you know, it's the Necronomicon. <laughs> Damn it, Rob, quit reading the Necronomicon. <laughs> Better than being a necrophiliac. Fair enough. Only if it's the bottom half. <laughs> <laughs> and that'll never be explained. All right. All right. Nope. I, okay. All right, Rob, I, I, I appreciated the story because I just wanted to clarify that you did not like let the cat out or anything. Yeah, no, no, and that, that's the thing. I, that's the thing. Like, I checked to make sure. You know, I, I've got neighborhood cats. Okay, uh-huh. they're they're all over the place. I, you know, all my neighbors leave food out, and I swear I thought I saw my cat. So where I live, um, there's a house that's at the corner, and you take a right at the house, you go into the alleyway. It's a four way alleyway. You know. Uh-huh. In front of that in front of that neighbor's house is a uh, a fire hydrant, right? Okay. I swear to you, I thought I saw Smokey sitting on top of the fire hydrant, looking at me, and I was like, "Holy fuck, is that my cat?" Turns out it was one of the neighborhood grunge cats. You know, I was like, "All right, fine, cool, it wasn't him." Hmm. Okay. Because I made sure, like, I even put my glasses <clears> on. <throat> Hold on, let me get my old man's spectacles on and make sure, you know. <laughs> okay. Sure All right. Enough, it wasn't him. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. All right, I will take that as a weird story that your cat disappeared inside your house and then reappeared inside your house. That is a little weird, even for a cat. I, I I'm gonna admit disappeared, that is a weird. disappeared with no trace, and then reappeared, you know, hmm. behind now, my door. Has he has he done that again? No, no, he's actually his personality changed after that. Um, he wouldn't wake me up with uh, headbutts and nothing like that. He a lot it's of these now like. Cat. I kind of think it is. Um, he just like now he wakes up and he just like looks out the window and he just like stares and just watches people. Like I got new neighbors that moved in, he just watches them. You know, and it's it's 
I still kind of think it's him, but maybe it's not my him. It's the alter. It's it's um alternate it's a variant. <laughs> yeah, it's a yeah, my cat's a variant. Great. <laughs> now, how can I tie my story to Loki? <laughs> well, you know what? Let's find out. Nick, you're up. What's your What's your weird story? Uh, interestingly enough, I I don't know how we keep doing this, Jason, but we keep having like. Not not similar, but like aesthetically similar ideas in our stories that oh. we keep randomly choosing. Because mine is also about someone who was in the military. Okay. And uh, and I'm giving a little bit of backstory uh, before I get into the weird part. Okay, sure. Um, so everyone has heard of Napoleon Bonaparte. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not everybody knows. <laughs> Shut up, Rob. <laughs> but not everybody knows about the guy like outside that he's like short though he was actually only like five seven so he wasn't that short yeah um he had a big hat and he conquered a lot of people um earlier this year i read the classic french novel count of monte cristo which surprisingly had some really heavy napoleonic historical ties because it was written around that same time uh so that was like pretty interesting um so before I get into the weird story, I want to set up kind of who Napoleon is, just so you have a very clear idea of this guy that we're talking about. Is he a daddy dog? Because you said that he conquered a lot of people. Yes. <laughs> um, so uh, first, fun fact, uh, Napoleon led a strategic war in Egypt to mess with the British trade routes to India and weaken them before taking uh, Britain head on. And during this particular invasion, a French soldier discovered the Rosetta Stone, allowing the world to understand Egyptian hieroglyphics. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Around that same time, Napoleon led a coup in France to overthrow the current government that had been set up by the French Revolution and set him up, uh, himself up as the lead political figure and or the emperor by 1804. France had been pretty unstable since the French Revolution, and he actually helped to restabilize it. He gave it a centralized government. He reformed banking and education. He supported science and the arts, um, and he established the Napoleonic Code, which uh, became the core set of principles and laws in France even to this day. Uh, he also sold Louisiana and the surrounding areas for the Louisiana Purchase in the United States. He defeated Austria and Russia and dissolved the Holy Roman Empire. Um, you know, he was definitely a controversial figure with people, and people were very strongly either on one side or the other, either like he was the greatest thing ever to happen to France or he was like this just horrible dictator. Um, and he's, but he is known as one of the world's strongest military figures and strategists in like all of history. Um, so now that we understand who Napoleon was, let's get a little weird. Okay. He was actually six foot two. <laughs> and his no, name everything was I Hank. said was true. <laughs> In 1807, he defeated the Russians again and had the Russian king sign the treaties of Tilsit, ending the war with Russia that had been going on for quite some time. Uh, he then decided to celebrate this historic moment by having an epic rabbit hunt. Like, you know, how old aristocrats used to do, they'd release the rabbits or the foxes or whatever, and they'd go hunt and shoot them. 
Right. Um, so enter Alexander Berther. It's Napoleon's chief of staff who was the one who was going to organize this rabbit hunt. But in order to impress Napoleon, Alexander bought more than 3,000 rabbits from local farmers. So the morning of the hunt comes, and they had cages upon cages of rabbits ready to open and release into this big old field. Uh, But Alexander did not really understand rabbits and had gotten uh, all tame, domesticated rabbits instead of wild ones. (laughs) So... As soon as all the cages were opened, thousands upon thousands of bunnies thought it was feeding time and started charging toward the men. To quote historian David Chandler, quote, with a finer understanding of Napoleonic strategy than most of his generals, the rabbit's horde divided into two wings and poured around the flanks of the party, end quote. <laughs> the, the men... The men fell to their knees, screaming in horror, and Napoleon himself ran, fleeing to his imperial coach, only calming down once he was safely away from the hungry bunnies. Are you fucking serious? (laughs) That is a true story. Wow. Wow. That's that's wild, man. You're telling me that Napoleon, one of the greatest military minds of our or of of ever the like, world of history. Of, ever, yeah. of history, got his ass beat by a horde of bunnies. Yes, by bunnies. I think Monty Python was onto something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay, I've never heard that before. That never come up, like, you know, in history class or on fun facts about Napoleon or... (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Here we have military genius Napoleon Bonaparte, who was terrified of rabbits. I'm sorry, what? I wonder if that came up during his trial when he got exiled. (laughs) Yeah, which he was actually exiled twice, so... uh... (laughs) Once by rabbits... (laughs) Once my rabbits. <laughs> All right. Wow, that, that was good. That was good. Both of you guys, that was good. Those were good stories. I appreciated those stories. Fucking rabbits. Yeah, that's... Of all the things, like, you know... Okay, so here's what I don't get. It's like, why couldn't they fucking... I mean, they were rabbits. They were on... I, I assume that they were on horses... Uh, I didn't see anything mentioned about horses, but of course not. uh, Because you know there were like over three thousand. I mean, it's rabbits, but it was over three thousand rabbits. That's a lot of rabbits. Mm -hmm. Of course not. You know, save a horse, ride a rabbit, right? (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck? (coughs) All right. Okay. It does, it does. It does bring. I'm sorry, Jason. I just want to say this real fast. It hey. does bring new light to the idea that you know the French are always surrendering. I mean, you know, because <laughs> they're scared of rabbits. <laughs> the French lost to rabbits. It's like, oh well, we'll take the Frenchmen into the fight. No, no rabbits. No, rabbit season. Rabbit season. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Well, I think that's a good place to wrap up the show. Uh, 
Nick, Rob, thank you. Those were really good stories. I really liked hearing those. And I soiled myself, damn rabbits. Um, uh, we would like to hear from you. Uh, if you have a weird story, experience, situation, whatever, and you'd like to share it with us, we'd love to read it. Send it to IHaveAWeirdOne at gmail.com, and we will read them here on the air. Next episode, we're going to have our very first guest. Um, and I'll just go ahead and just make that a cliffhanger. I won't say who it is, but we're going to have a guest, uh, and uh, he or she is going to promised us to tell us a very strange story so we we will be eager to hear that so uh until next time i'm jason soto i'm nick job i'm not afraid of rabbits rob branch go be weird there's something strange going on tonight there's something going on that's not quite right Copyright 2022 Rabbit Hole Podcasts, rabbithole podcasts.com.